Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. I have the privilege of being good friends with one of the superintendents that was, um, that was building the new towers. Um, he actually oversaw the construction of the, what you called uh, One World Trade Center, which is the Freedom Tower, the highest building in New York City, and it's the highest building in the, uh, in the United States right now. Um, and this friend of mine, whose name is Frank Hussey, he actually oversaw this. Another interesting thing about Frank Hussey, my friend who actually is a member of the church that my dad used to pastor, <clears throat> he, um, he was on top of the AT&T building in New York City, and he was checking on one of the antennas when the first airplane went over his head. He saw the belly of the plane going straight into the World Trade Center back in 2001. And when it flew over his head, his partners with him said, that plane is too low, something strange is happening. And they saw it, it was less than a mile away, they saw it go straight into the building. So Frank Hussey not only saw that, God gave him, gave him the privilege to be part of the setting the foundation uh, for uh, the World Trade Center buildings at least three or four of them. He was responsible for setting the foundation and seeing it go up. But we're going to see it uh, quickly. This um, uh, what the, just the the construction very interesting. And then I'll give you some more details of what he shared with me over the phone recently about that experience. So it took close to 15 years to complete these uh, this project. It was over 10. That took about 11 years, but then there's other buildings that had to go up, but he was part of this project for 15 years, if you can, if you can believe that. So I, I called him, and excited to talk about it, because he, he's a believer. Um, the New York Times interviewed him, and uh, he was telling me two nights ago that uh, it's, it's so similar to the spiritual life and some things that God wants us to keep in mind. You know, as the scripture says, the wise man builds his house upon a rock and the foolish man builds his house uh, on sand. And you know that scripture. So he was telling me about just the process. And so this is Frank Hussey. A uh, good friend of ours, he's like a brother to us because he loves my mom and dad like they're his, his uh, uh, parents. He's from Jamaica. My mother was born in Jamaica. And uh, him and his parents were members of my dad's uh, church. But Frank was telling me just a couple of nights ago, Frank was uh, sharing with me. He said, Pete, you have to understand that when we built the foundation for the for the one, one, one World Trade Center that you just saw, he said they had to hit bedrock first. Now, that's 90 feet. Now, watch how this applies to the spiritual life because God wants you to know him in a deep way. Paul wrote to the uh, uh, Ephesian church, and he said that his prayer is that they would comprehend the, the length, the width, and, and the depths of the love of Christ. 
So he goes deep. He goes 90 feet below the street level, 90 feet until he hits the bedrock, they call it, right? But then he said to me that they even went another 45 feet beyond that because the problem with the first tower that was hit by the Muslims that day uh, on 9-11, the foundation was not deep enough. How many Christians, because they are not going deep and depending upon the rock, Jesus Christ, when a problem comes, they get knocked over. This is what happened to the Galatian church. They started off depending on a rock, and then they start depending on sand. We have to be careful that we don't start off focusing on the rock, and then we get led away to other things. He said, Pete, we had to go deep, not only 90 feet, we had to go beyond that. Then he said, there are these 27 tied down anchors. After you go 90 feet and another 45 feet beyond the bedrock, there are these anchors, 27 anchors, that has to go even deeper. Now, how many more feet? He said you had to go another 80 feet deep. They really wanted to make sure that this building is secure. Then he mentioned how the core of the building, the core of the first building was not made out of cement. I said, well, what was it made out of? He says it was made out of these cinder blocks. I don't know if you know what the cinder block is, but it's those rectangular shaped. It looks like concrete, and they have holes in them, cinder blocks. I don't know. That's what the core of the, of the World Trade Center was made of, and so no wonder when the planes came, it just collapsed because the core was not solid cement. But these anchors went 80 feet deeper. It was just very interesting when he was sharing all of this with me. And he said to me, before we hung up, he said, Pete, we need to be anchored to Christ. We need to go deeper and deeper in our understanding of his love for us. He is our rock. We need to depend upon him. And when they interviewed him for uh, the New York Times, Frank had an opportunity tell them that his faith is in Christ and the way he was able to even deal with the horrible scene of the airplane going into the building, he witnessed it. He was standing there when it happened. He said because of his faith in Christ, he's able to be emotionally stable. There was a time when he would see airplanes after that and he would automatically respond just out of bad memories and fear and still had to heal from that experience and he told the New York Times it's the Lord Jesus Christ that's helping me deal with all that I saw and now God is showing him this illustration about trusting in the rock, the Lord Jesus well, we want to um, continue our series through the book of Galatians how to be fruitful, uh, how to be a fruitful tree. And God wants to bring good things out of our lives. He wants us to be rooted and grounded in him. He wants us to be anchored in him. There's all sort of different uh, illustrations you can give about living uh, the Christian life and 
being strong in the Lord. It could be the root systems of a tree. It could be the rock foundation of a high skyscraper. Uh, it's, there's different ways that God wants us uh, to look at this. But um, So we're going through the book of Galatians. We're in chapter 3. We will not be able to go through the whole uh, chapter. We're only going to look at 14 verses uh, this, this evening. Okay? But I want you to take a look at the prevention of world impact. This is the devil's plan. How does he prevent world impact at GT? How can he prevent GT from reaching India, from reaching Africa, Israel, Mexico City? How can he keep us from really making a world impact? So the prevention of world impact. The Lord wants us to impact this world with his truth. So what the devil will try to get you to do is to believe lies. He wants you to make foolish de decisions. He wants you to depend on foolishness instead of depending on the Lord himself. Look at Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. As we look at verse 1, look at how he starts off in verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Notice there's some interesting questions that Paul is, is asking the Galatians. He wants to know, uh, how, did, how did you make such a foolish decision? And Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2, I want us to read that as well regarding who God is. He is our rock. He is our salvation. He's the one that we need to depend on. But Psalm, Psalm 18 says something very interesting, verse 1 and 2 of uh, the 18th Psalm. David says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock. He didn't say, God, you are sand. You're not stable. No, he says, God, you're my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is how he refers to God. God is his rock. God is someone that he can put his trust in. But look at this. He says, foolish Foolish people, he refers to them as foolish. Foolish people are deceived and fascinated by the devil's spell. A person that is making foolish decisions when they should know better, and you sit back and you wonder, how can she make such a foolish decision? How can he make such a foolish decision? Well, there's, there's a, a spell. There's a fascination with something that the devil tries to use to distract us from trusting in the rock, 
from trusting in Jesus to trusting in something else or trusting in someone else. So we have to be really careful to understand how that the devil, the same way Eve was deceived. Now, many times Daniel and I studied this passage in the book of Genesis. And how could she just listen to the devil like that? Well, he uses things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And we're fascinated by some of these things. And we get our eyes off of Christ and we start to trust in other things. People who are in different parts of the world exposed to witchcraft. The devil uses those things to say, hey, come this way. There's power. There's attraction. There's different things that you can have. Going back to the Muslims that got into that plane and went into the World Trade Center, the, the lie of the devil is if you die a martyr and these, uh, and these people who are not Muslim, they also die. You're promised eternal life with a lot of virgins around you. You can have sex all you want. Notice how the devil uses the lust of the flesh to get their attention, to deceive them, to get them to be fascinated with something, deceived. It's like the devil has them under a spell. And when we turn from the Lord, we're allowing the devil to fool us. They are not wise, and they're in a place of great error. The question we need to ask is, did we receive Christ's spirit? There are certain questions that Paul starts to ask the, the Galatian church. He asks them, did you receive Christ's spirit? Did you really receive the spirit of Christ? When you see people who start off with Jesus and then they wander off and they're trusting in something else, you need to ask those hard questions. Did you really receive Christ? Did you really receive the spirit these are important questions to ask. I have a pastor friend in Philadelphia who's one of my mentors. Every time his child had a birthday, two years old, three years old, four years old, and, and, and as they got into their teenage years, even when they got into their 20s, he asked them again, now have you really, especially in their teenage years, have you received Christ as your Savior? He did not take for granted that just because they came to church every Sunday, they've really received the Spirit. Word of God says, those who do not have the spirit of Christ are none of his. They don't belong to him. So when you see someone go in the wrong direction, a legitimate question to ask is, have you really received the Lord? It's a legitimate question to ask. The question we need to ask, have we really received Christ? He will guide us to truth. Paul asked, was it by works or by faith that you received did you receive salvation as a gift or did you work for it? Did you think you could get baptized to get saved? Did you think you could take communion to get saved? What was it that actually happened in your life? Is this about works or is this a gift? Faith is mentioned at least 13 times in this chapter. 13 times in this one chapter it's mentioned. So we're not even going to go through the whole chapter, but think of that. Paul is trying to mention faith, faith in Christ, depending on him. Don't depend upon yourself. Because once you depend upon yourself, you're depending on imperfection. No matter how good you are. 
So no wonder Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, a really good man who practiced the law, who did good things. You would probably look at Nicodemus and say, what a nice guy. He's so nice. But Jesus could see imperfection, and he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What are you depending on? Are you depending on works? What is it? So this is why Paul has to mention 13 times in chapter 3. Actually, it's, it's, it might be 15 times because he uses the word believe a couple other times. So it might be 15 times altogether. He uses a terminology that's similar to faith. I think he's trying to get a message across. And God is trying to remind us it is through faith in Christ. It is through faith in Christ. Jehovah Witnesses, it's by works. Mormons, it's by works. Muslims, it's by works. Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus, it's by works. Many Hindus, right? By works. Well, if we do this, and then, and then if you ask them, are you sure you're going to heaven? Maybe. Because they're depending upon their own works instead of faith in Christ. So this is very, very important for us to keep in mind. Jesus sacrificed his life. The Galatians suffered many hardships. So then now he, Paul is asking, was it done for nothing? Did Jesus die on the cross for nothing? For you to turn your backs upon the rock who you should be depending on to, uh, to, to sinking sand, your good works? Did Jesus die for nothing? Did you go through all of this persecution for nothing? Important questions that he's asking them. He's trying to provoke them to think in the spiritual realm, and even in some cases, think a little logically here. Christ died for you. So why would he come and die for you if you could save yourself by being a good little boy or by keeping the law? Does that make sense? He's trying to get them to think by asking them these important questions. Asking questions. God will ask you some questions at times. We're going to look at that in a second. He will ask you some very, very important questions in your Christian life to get you to think and say, hmm, I guess this is not a good idea, is it, Lord? <laughs> it's, you, you'll, you'll see. We'll look at that in a second. The Galatians foolishly started building on sand. Instead of building on that, that bedrock where you go all so many feet down with that 27 anchors anchoring to Christ, which will keep you standing strong, Amen. Instead of doing that, now you're going to start building on sand and wonder why when the wind blows, you're like, what's wrong with me? Because now you have decided to turn your back on the one who is almighty, all sufficient for your salvation. This happens many times to many people who have grown up in church. They grow up in church, they go away to college, and they say, I don't want nothing to do with God. So then you have to ask, did you ever receive Christ in the first place? Did you ever receive his spirit? And was it by works? Sometimes they go away to college and they hear about some other belief, and they start following religiously another belief. And then God has to ask, so why did my son die for you? if you could save yourself, or if you could go another way. Why would Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except by me if there was another way. 
Why would Paul write, there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Why would God say that? Why would he inspire Paul to write that if there's just a bunch of ways to get to heaven? And you'll hear that too. Sounds very inclusive. Sounds very loving. Sounds very, it's, it's like, oh, come on, let's just love each other. It's all just one God. Man, I was driving with today. He says that he has a sister that's a Christian. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm using her to plant seeds. Pete, right now you're watering seeds. Hallelujah. You're watering seeds that his sister has planted. I don't know who his sister is. He said, okay, Lord, you're getting his attention. But then he made the statement, but we all serve the same God. So I just continue to share truth with him, what Jesus says. The scary part is people grow up in church and they start to turn away from the rock and they start building on sand. You need to ask yourself, are you starting to build on sand in your own life? So keep answering heavenly questions. Look at this question in, in uh, Galatians. Look at this, look at this. Look at this. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 5. What's the question? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Look at all these questions he keeps asking. Well, if you see somebody getting off track and starting to trust in sinking sand instead of Jesus, and say, Holy Spirit, give me the questions to ask them. Give me the questions I need to ask them. Go back to chapter 3 and start to, to you, you can look at some of these verses and say, oh, wow, I can use this question. Let the Holy Spirit use it to, to prick their hearts, to open their eyes, to see what the truth is. Keep answering heavenly questions. God will ask, ask you questions. He did it in the Old Testament. He does it. There's a lot of different examples of this. Receiving Christ's spirit and seeing God's miracles was a gift received by faith. All these miracles you've seen, how can you turn away from the rock and start building on sinking sand? How do you do that? The devil puts a spell on people. The devil deceives people. But if you have an alertness to, okay, God speaks the truth, the devil lies. The devil will use the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life to distract me from the rock. And meanwhile, while I'm following after this, I find myself sinking. How does that happen? Well, the devil has to draw you in. It's a trap. It's a trap. He brings you, tries to lead you away from your devotion to Christ. 2 Corinthians, write this down. You need to write this verse down. Very important verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It talks about how Eve was deceived, drawn away from her devotion to Christ. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he says, I'm concerned that the same way Eve was deceived, you all will be deceived. It happens in the church. It happens to pastors begin to go away from the word of God and they're attracted to other things. These are pastors that don't take spiritual warfare seriously. These are pastors that don't realize how much Jesus loves them and how much the devil wants to destroy their lives. 
these are some pastors who have not yet really received the Holy Spirit. And it's evident in Scripture. It's evident. Look at this. Asking heavenly questions about what God has done helps us to see clearly the blessings we have and the devil's tricks and deception. God will start to ask you, haven't I done miracles in your life? Why are you turning from me? Remember what I did two years ago? I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Why are you turning from me? Interesting. He asked Israel similar questions. Look at this. Moses was asked. Look at these different questions. Look at this. Moses was asked a question. Who created your mouth, Moses? While you're, you're depending on your abilities to accomplish my work, who created your mouth? I can help you to speak. God didn't have to use, now the, try not to read ahead because you won't listen to a word I'm saying. Try not to discipline yourself. Uh, okay, I won't. Just, just listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to go one by one here. But look at this. He asked Moses, why, why would you think that I can't use you? I made your mouth. Oh, but I don't speak as well as that person. I made your mouth. Good question, right? Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? It's another good question. You say I'm your Lord, but you're not doing what I'm saying. These are heavenly questions. Keep answering heavenly questions when you're in a situation where you're not following Christ the way you should. Look at what he asked Job. While Job was struggling, Job was going through all of these hard things. God asked Job, where were you? <laughs> where were you, Job, when I laid the earth's foundation? Good question. That's a good question. So Job must have been like, uh, blah, 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 blah. I guess you're right. I... It's a good question. Job, where were you? Adam, while he's hiding from God with Eve behind the leaves, Adam, where are you? Was it because God didn't know where he was? He wanted Adam to realize where he was that day in comparison to where he was the day before. Where are you now, Adam? Look at where you are. We can't even fellowship anymore. Where are you? Look at where you are. Good question. You need to ask her, these heavenly questions. God will ask us sometime to show us where we are and where we need to be. Amen? In the book of Micah, look at this one. I saw this one a few, a, a few months ago, and I, and I was praying in my office. I was like, Lord, there's a verse that you showed me. Where is it? And I couldn't find it. I'm looking, I'm looking, looking. And the Lord showed it to me by his grace. He showed it. This is what he says in the book of Micah. God asks his people, my people, what have I done to you? Lord Jesus. What have I done to you? How, how have I burdened you that you're turning from me and you're turning to idols? What have I done to you? I brought you up out of Egypt and I redeemed you. What have I done? That will touch their heart to say, you've done nothing but blessed us. Why are we doing this? This is crazy. Why am I turning to this boyfriend to give me love? Why am I turning to this girlfriend to give me perfect love? Why am I turning to money to give me love? Why am I turning to education? All these things that the world is offering when you are the one who loves me more than anyone. He asked them an incredible question here. Look at this. What have I done to you? So Paul has to ask the Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you to turn from the rock? To turn from the Savior? 
the one who you can receive salvation from for free. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. It was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. Why are you turning from him? There's no greater love in this world than for someone to lay down their life for you. Why are you turning from him? So what the question is, to ask yourself and other people who you know were following him at one time, their friend who helped you follow Christ, right? Pray for him that God will speak to him and ask those heavenly questions to cause him to think, why would I turn my back on the Lord Jesus? The big difference. Look at chapter 3 with me again. We're about to close shortly. Galatians chapter 3, we're looking at verse 6. I'm going to read from verse 6 to verse 12. Even so, Abraham believed God. I told the, the Uber driver that today because Abraham was his name. I said, you, you have a good name. It has to do with faith in God, man. Even so, Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Amen. We believe in Christ, so we're connected to that type of faith. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the world, not just the people in Jerusalem, but Nicaragua, Mexico, Japan, India, hallelujah, the Gentiles. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed in you. Hallelujah. See, this is God's plan. As we understand the truth and we're standing on the rock, we can then go tell the world, trust in Jesus. Don't trust in these false religions. Trust in Jesus. Don't trust in these false gods. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. How can you be under a curse if you're following the law? Because the law was to show you you can't save yourself. You need a savior. Amen? It says it right here. You're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for the for the righteous man shall live by faith. Look at verse 12 with me. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. The only way you can live by them is if you live by them perfectly, but you can't. So you have to put your faith in Christ alone. Christ alone. This is what the Great Reformation was all about. This is why Luther was telling everybody, look, it's in Christ alone. By faith in Christ alone. And God got his attention one day. And he realized how to be fruitful instead of being a tree without fruit. By putting your faith in Christ. There's a big difference between depending on our efforts and depending on Christ and his finished work, amen? His finished work on the cross. 
Accomplishments and pride are related. Let me explain that to you. When you find people who say, no, 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 you need to do this perfectly, you need to do this, 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 you need to make sure you have communion in this way. You, mean, you need to make sure you're baptized in this way. You need to make, to make sure you do this. You, be, you need to make sure that you give this amount of money to the church. You need to do these things in order to really be righteous. Now notice, accomplishments and pride go together. Jehovah Witnesses that go to the door, they are trying to get merits for heaven. If you ask them, are you sure you're going to heaven? Nobody can be sure, they say. So they're trying to do as much as they can. The Mormons say you have to be baptized in our church, and you can become gods as well. All of these things, accomplishments and pride are related, but that's why the Word of God says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works that any man should boast. Amen? It's in Christ. And it's so humbling to say, I can't save myself. I need you. That's humility, yes. Because our righteousness is filthy rags. We need a Savior. We need someone to save us. We need someone that we can look to and say, you are my only hope. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Galatians started off on the right track, experienced some persecution for it, and then false teachers came and started to confuse their minds. All nations will be blessed who believe. This is God's plan. So he can, he can work in your heart, do a work in you, and send you to wherever he wants to send you. Maybe to an Ethiopian, maybe to a person in India, maybe to a, a person in Israel. As I was by the Wailing Wall in Israel, couple of years ago, I'm standing there with this Hebrew student, sharing the gospel with him. Two of his teachers, two of his rabbi teachers came, and they were listening to the gospel. God will send you places that you would never dream you would be to tell others about the love of Jesus. Amen? He will use you. But look at this. But the devil desires to spread lies to the, light, to the nations, starting with you. If he can put some lies and some false teaching in you, then he would love to export that to other nations. And that's what he's doing with all these false teachers. You go to some places, you'll see these false teachers there before the church got there. Before the true body of Christ got there, the devil has already spread his lies through other nations. Be, beware of false teaching in books that you read and the internet. There was a time, and I, I just ran out of time, but let me just say this to you. There was a time when, in order for you to get to the nations, you'd have to get on a ship, or you have to get on a, an airplane to get to the nations. Now you can get to the nations by the touch of a button. Information technology has made it so that the church can make no more excuses. You can reach Bangladesh by the touch of a button. You can reach India by the touch of a button. But you need to make sure that you're filled with the Spirit. You're standing on the rock. Your feet are shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace, the message of Christ dying for our sins, rising from the dead. The Lord wants us to stand strong with this message, and he wants to use these feet to go wherever he sends you. 
But in some cases, you may not ever get to go to China. But you can, there's ways that you, God wants to use technology to reach Turkey, to reach Egypt. I have a meeting. When I get back from the United States, I'm going to be sitting with a couple, a couple that you know that's reaching India with internet. I'm going to be sitting with them. They want you to come. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting, whoever wants to come, come on. They're going to be talking about utilizing the internet to share the gospel. They're doing it right now. They have people writing them with questions. I'm a Muslim. I need to know about Jesus. It's incredible how God wants to reach the nations. And he told Abraham, through your seed, all nations will be blessed. So every morning when you wake up, you say, Lord, use me. Use me here in Guadalajara. And I'm willing to go anywhere, anytime, at any cost. If God sends you, we will cry. Yes, we will <laughs> We will. We'll cry because we love you. But if God is sending you, grace and truth wants to be part of that commissioning service. Amen. He, we, and in Jesus' name, if he's telling you to go to Brooklyn, New York, we will send you to Brooklyn, New York. If he wants you to go to China, if he wants you to go to Israel, because this is God's passion, this is his heartbeat, to reach the nations. In various ways we can do it. Those who are forgiven and declared righteous by faith in Christ, not by obeying the law, because the law is not of faith to have life. Someone has to follow it perfectly. We can't do that. That's why we have to put our faith in Christ alone for salvation. And, okay, no faith in Christ, no fruit. If you're not putting your faith, if you're not rooted and grounded in Christ. So that's very important to keep in mind as well. And as we close, verse 13 and 14, as we close, let's look at that together. Verse 13 and 14, Galatians chapter 3. What does it say? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus went through that for you. He, he became a curse so you would not be cursed. He loves you that much. In order that Christ, in, in, in order that in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us. So that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. That's that spiritual DNA that he puts in you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You belong to him. You belong to him. You belong to Christ. God looks down on you and says, that's my child. He has my spiritual DNA. That's my daughter. You belong to Christ. And so, the cost, verse 13, the cost, he, he redeemed us. There's redemption. Consider what he did for you because redemption involves paying a price so that you can have a relationship. These are important things, the four C's. Not, not just the cost that we need to consider, but uh, I, need, I need your help again with this, please. The cost, the, and I'm clicking the left one, I'm clicking the right one, don't worry, I really am. The curse, his sacrificial love, he became a curse. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Look what he went through for you. Why would you turn your back on him? He became a curse for you. What's the other thing? 
the commission to all nations. He wants all nations to know this message. God wants the world to hear this. What's the other C? The comforter. The Holy Spirit. This spirit, the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. These are things to keep in mind. The cost he paid for, he became a curse. He sacrificed so much, he left his glory to become a curse. He became sin for sinners. The, the commission, he wants to send this message out about what? About the comforter who has come into this world. The people that are over in Hidalgo, do they need a comforter? All those people that died, do you think the children need a comforter? They do. They do. The widows, you think they need a comforter? We need to make sure that Christ is the one that we're putting our trust in to comfort us. Because if the devil can get you to try to find comfort in other things, then of course we will not go to tell others about the comfort, but the comforter, because we have been bewitched, we have been deceived to trust in something else. This is exactly what happened to the Galatians. Geographically, they're in that place called Turkey. And when I went to Turkey about three years ago, I saw a church where pastors were angry with each other, jealous of each other. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this used to be a place where God was moving. And slowly but surely, many of those churches became like the Galatian church. Started trusting in other things instead of trusting in Christ. Focusing on other things that distracted them from the beautiful gospel message. So we will close with this question. In whom or in what are you trusting? For salvation? Not just salvation. For joy, for peace, for security. What are you trusting? Have you walked away from the solid rock that you should be anchored in? Like the One World Trade Center? trusting in sand. You know. Jesus knows. If you turn from him and you're not depending on him the way you used to, he says, come as you are. Let us stand to our feet this day. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and Allow God to speak to you at this time. Allow the Lord to speak to you even now. Have you turned from the rock? Are you no longer anchored in him? Have you really received his spirit? These are important questions to ask. Can you hear God asking you, what have I done to you? longer love me the way you used to. What have I done to you? Right there where you're standing, you can say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I love money more than I love you. I love things more than I love you. I love my reputation. I love my position at work more than I love you. Whatever it is 
whatever you have been showing more love and devotion to instead of Jesus, that thing, that person is an idol. And you need to repent right now and Jesus will forgive you. Mercy and truth will meet each other. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other right now. You can experience mercy, truth, righteousness, peace from the Lord. Rededicate yourself to him. If you're not sure if you've received his Holy Spirit, just ask. The Bible says, ask, it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open. And his spirit will enter you. But just because he enters you doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. He wants to fill you. He wants you to experience the fullness of God. He wants you to experience love and power like you've never experienced, but you have to invite him in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He's a gentleman. He does not break down the door. loves you. Recommit yourself. Invite him in. If it's the first time you've put your faith in Christ, you can do it. Believe that Jesus died for you. He took the death penalty for you. He rose from the dead for you. He has all power and he loves you. He just wants you to call upon him and say, Jesus, save me. I'm accepting you as my Lord and Savior right now. But maybe you're like the Galatian church. You've put your faith in him at one time and now you're trusting in sinking sand. Jesus will forgive you. Don't let the devil have you feel so guilty that you can't come to Jesus. He's full of mercy. If you believe that, say amen. He's full of mercy. He loves you. Father, I'm asking you to bless every person in here. I hear you saying, Lord, that there's people in here that are following you, but they might have a brother or a cousin or a friend that they need to reach out to. And they need to ask them the question, what has God done to you that you've turned from him? And God wants to open their eyes to the truth of who he is. He is loving, and the devil is a murderer. Lord, use your people. First, help us to trust you and lead others to you in Guadalajara and in the uttermost parts of the world Cambodia Panama wherever you want to send us with this beautiful message well I hope that message was a blessing to you feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it and if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you.